You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the No Low Ballers podcast. I'm Logan Medish of High Caliber History, your host, sitting around the table here with guys from uh, Go Wild and Gumbroker.com. And today we are talking about black rifles and green eyes. So what are we talking about today, guys? You know, I would say in the last 20 years, there is no more ubiquitous image of the U.S. military than that night vision footage. The guys jumping off the helos, goggles down, and again, black rifles, green eyes. Great book, by the way, by the uh, um, late uh, Tiger McGee of Shoot Right Academy. Doctrine on it, but sidebar. Um, and so today we're going to talk about night vision and just its origins. It's another one of these brand new technologies that everyone thinks is gee whiz that goes back damn near 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talk about what that means. And also there's a lot of confusion about night vision versus thermal and, you know, what they all do. And um, at the end of the day, everyone wants to be the predator. Eh, it doesn't always quite work that way. <laughs> yes, doesn't always quite work that way. Uh and well, I guess it could work that way. You're just gonna have to shell out a ton of money. Like true. If true. you're if you're a small country, you might have <laughs> the budget to to view things the way the predator did. But I don't think any of us sitting around the table. I think even if we all pooled our money together, we oh, you I know. get it. The predator, the alien movie. Yeah, we're not talking about like coyotes. I, I thought you were talking or... about predator drones. Oh, oh. that would have been interesting too yeah also requires a small amount of money yeah 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 yeah. we could be a small country in and of ourselves and but so you know what what we think of as night vision you know is kind of the usually the helmet mounted flip down monoculars or or binocular type things but it actually dates back to world war ii it's a little bit different though uh that was really more of an infrared system it was almost an infrared camera and it required an illuminator to go with it so these weren't things that the troops would carry with them they weren't even really weapon mounted i mean they were usually used in guard towers or mounted on aircraft or not aircraft but vehicles because the illuminator was big um, ir light doesn't throw very far big battery packs to run it um, mainly used in sentry positions just keeping an eye on the perimeter that sort of thing but it but it began the u.s military's look at how do we own the night and how do we see into the night and for the better part of the 20th century that's something that the american military and our allies have done better than anybody um, a big lesson from Vietnam was we did not own the night, and that was something that the military has made a very conscious effort since then to make sure that we can dominate, um, which actually brings us to kind of what we think of as really the first true generation of night vision, that mm-hmm. would be the starlight scope. Yep. Um, if you've seen images of these, um, they were usually in, in special groups or for special purpose missions, and these were monstrosities. Yeah, uh, I it, mean, it looks like you took a giant spotlight, flashlight, and put it on steroids and mounted it up top. And oddly enough, usually on an M1 carbine. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, let's take a gigantic light and put it on a small gun because that's... A lot of that was the range. Um, and, and the way that the Starlight Scopes differed from the World War II infrareds, um, they were more passive. They would amplify the light, so they didn't need an external source. The, the easiest way that I can describe light amplification, there's a lot of science in this, and I'm a degree in journalism, so I'm going to muck that up. But if you think about the sonar system on, on like a, a boomer, you know, missile submarine, one of the most sensitive microphones out there, it's picking up every tiny little sound and it translates that into an electronic signal, which then shows up on a display where your highly trained sonar technician is listening. So that's kind of how the first half of a night vision scope works. It's taking in every little photon of light, be it no matter how faint it is, if there's a, if one photon, it'll come in and hit, hits a receptor sheet. From there, it detects that, it turns that into electronic signal. Now, let's go back to our submarines. So you've got the, the sonar technician, he sees a little blip on his screen, he hears something in his, in his uh, headset, and he starts beating on a drum. Every time he hears Vasily give me one ping and one ping only, he hits a drum to go along with it. So he's amplifying what he's hearing. And that's basically what's happening here, is it takes that electronic signal that it's detected on a very sensitive plate, and basically says, we need you to light up a, a similar pixel here, but, but stronger. So what you really see, everyone thinks these are scopes that light passes through like a traditional optic, and it's really not. It's, it's a miniaturized camera, kind of, um, because the electronic signal that the, the photo plate picks up then gets translated into an image that you see. And typically it's used on green phosphor, which is why it glows green. There's a couple of reasons for it. Green phosphor works really well for it. It is a little more cost effective. Green also doesn't wreck the comparative it's not it's still cost effective and it doesn't wreck the night vision as badly as say a, a bright white light would be also gives you a little bit better depth so um, the gen 1 starlight scope did that to a certain extent um, then gen 2 got a little more sensitive where we're sitting at these days with generation 3 is exceptionally sensitive um, we'll talk about some other advances they've made um, but kind of going back gen 1 is that like i said that starlight scope um, you can still pick these up for probably a couple hundred bucks. A lot of companies will make them. Uh, Bushnell does, ATN, a few others. They're generally monoculars, and they're generally good for fun. Um, you know, you can take them camping, have a little bit of fun with them. They don't have a ton of reach. Um, they certainly don't have a ton of depth. Um, you get what you pay for with night vision especially. Gen 2, you don't see a lot of domestically produced anymore. Um, where you see that flood in is the Soviet surplus market because in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, tons of used Russian night vision hit markets. Um, it's better than Gen 1, still not that great. Really, Gen 3 is where we start to get to that point that people kind of think of today. And it still has its limitations, which can be somewhat restrictive in a, in a military or hunting environment, but can also be friggin' hilarious if you're just watching. Uh, <laughs> for example, you have no depth perception in these at all. No. <laughs> in fact, the, the, the focus, if, if I want to look at Dan, I have to dial in and focus on him, but then if I want to look down the hallway, I have to readjust it manually. Um, so what you'll find, especially in really low-light situations like uh, house clearing, um, I, I was, we were doing a, a class once um, using night vision to do CQB in a house, and it was hilarious watching guys reaching for doorknobs and like being, and I mean, you're sitting off to the side and you know they're this far away from it, but they just have zero depth perception whatsoever. Watching these giant steps because they think they're going to trip over the couch, which is over there. It's, it's, it's funny. And, um, you know, this gets, you know, exaggerated with a monocular. Binoculars make it a little bit better. The quad sets you see, especially pilots of, uh, you know, some of the rescue helicopters make it a little bit better. But at the end of the day, you're still trying to take in a 3D world through a 1d screen so yeah and you see a lot of that even with with the rifle scopes that that are that way you know i was hog hunting in texas back in june 
Um, and thankfully, the scope I was using had a built-in rangefinder on it because you're looking through that and you're like, how far away is that? Like, I, I can't tell you how far away that is just on, on that singular plane of that, you know, turns out it was 76 yards, you know, but like, but as you're looking through it, I'm like, I couldn't tell you how far away that feeder is, you know, and you don't think about it because normally, you know, you think you look through a scope and you can kind of tell, well, yeah, that deer is 100 yards or 150, you know, but I'm looking through it on that screen. Like, I have no idea how far, <laughs> how yeah. far away so, that is. So using that technology in a military situation seems pretty problematic if the depth perception is off that much. You can train a little bit out of that. So, you know, the guys that run it day in, day out and train hard on it, it gets a little bit better. Um, at the end of the day, even as your depth perception is a little bit off, if you can see in the dark and your enemy can't, it's a massive, yeah. massive mm -hmm. uh, advantage. So, it, you know, it's really been the trademark of the U.S. military for 20-plus years to own the night. You know, if you think about the, uh, the Battle of Mogadishu, one of the, the biggest problems we had is since it was a daytime op, most of the, the guys didn't take their night vision with them. Yep. The, the Delta boys did, the, the Rangers didn't. And it, when it ended up being a day-long event that went into the nighttime hours, so much of the doctrine that the Rangers had trained and practiced on went out the window because they didn't have that advantage. So, you know, night vision has become an absolute critical part of, of the military side. The one that gets me are the SOAR pilots, the Special Operations um, Rescue and Drop-Off Pilots flying these things in the areas they do as tight as they do with with you know the goggles on i, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine it yeah you want to talk about some serious training time yeah. that goes into that and uh, what i don't understand is how the helicopters get off the ground with the weight of those pilots large brass cojones as well because those those guys are, are absolutely incredible um, <laughs> you just hear them clanging as they're flying <laughs> there you go yeah. um so that, that's the advantage in hunting you know obviously comes into play and, and now we've of course got a lot of legality disclaimers that we probably need to throw in here too um, night vision for a lot of game animals is is illegal to spotlighting. Um, this is one of the reasons why hog hunting, you know, is such a great thing to do because mm -hmm. it's really pest control, and that's where you can start to have fun with some of these toys as well. Um, I will tell you, a set of binoculars and a laser illuminator on your rifle is so much fun. I mean, even just shooting targets, it mm -hmm. it, it feels it, it doesn't feel real. The world in, an, yeah. in night vision is so small; it feels like a video game. Um, so yeah, it, that, that's a great way to put it too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it is insanely fun. Um, probably the, the, the biggest um, conversation point we have around night vision is, is the difference between it and thermal, because I think people tend to lump the two together quite often. Yeah. And they're two different things with different purposes, and they both have their own limitations. So Definitely, yeah. And, and I think that's the confusion that a lot of people have and the disappointment that a lot of people have with the price points and stuff, because, you know, the, they see the price point for a lot of the night vision stuff and they're like, Oh my gosh, it's so incredibly expensive. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. But then they see something else, you know, like a $600 price point. And they're like, Oh man, I can get into it for that. Be like, well, no, yeah. we're, we're changing definitions of what, what we've got here, you know? And uh, yeah, the, di the different generations definitely and have way different price points, but way different um, performance as well. And, you know, as uh, you and I were talking before we started here, Jacob, you've got some experience using the newest night vision, which we talked about how green phosphorus is used right now. The, the latest, greatest has transitioned to a white phosphor, which, you know, no pun intended, but is like night and day between the, between <clears throat> the two optics. Yeah, it was, I have actually never used green phosphor. I've only, the only experience I have with it is, photos and videos that I've seen. <clears throat> so um, we were out doing a shoot in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And at 
night, it's so dark out there. Like, it's the darkest dark you can imagine. <clears throat> so one of the guys that's with us gets out his white phosphor. We start putting it on, playing around with them. And I'm looking, having conversations with people, and it's, it, it was unreal to me how crisp of an image they were mm-hmm. as I'm standing there talking to them. Like, they, they can barely see me because there's a little bit of ambient light from the garage. But it is so crisp, so clear. Um, the stars are just lit up. Mm. You know, you see stuff going, you know, satellites or whatever going by. Um, it is, it's crazy to me that one, I can't afford to have one cause it was that neat, but two, just how I wasn't expecting it to be that crisp and, and clean of an image. Yeah. yeah. White phosphor almost gives a like a black and white movie, a, you know, look to it. So yeah. it's that crisp. It's, it's almost like real life as opposed to, you know, kind of the video game where everything's got a green tint, you know, eyes are black and, you know, it just, it has a strange look under, under a green phosphor, but um, you know, we did a similar event at the, the High Bar Homestead up by Gillette a few years ago, where actually where this set came from. And, uh, you know, we had these veterans, these, uh, we had some SWAT snipers, we had some military snipers who, you know, sleep in night vision. And they got the white phosphor for the first time, and they're all just sitting there staring up at the sky, just taking in all the stars, because they're just absolutely gobsmacked by the performance of it. And you don't really understand the whole concept of Carl Sagan's billions and billions of stars until you've looked up at the sky wearing a good set of night vision. And it's crazy how much is up there that we just can't see with our own eye, but these things can amplify and find. And, you know, not only that, but you think about the implications between what the military has access to and what we have access to, you know, and usually there's a bit of a lag in there, you know, by the time we're allowed to get it. And so you can only imagine what the military grade technology is with that stuff now, if the white phosphor that we have available to us is so incredibly clear, incredibly crisp and clear uh, i mean that's a game changer in and of itself right you know yeah. but but to think what is up and coming in the next generation of stuff you you find yourself wondering how could it get any more you know amazing it was kind of like w- w- when we ended up with all the flat screen tvs and everyone's like oh this is great and then 4k came out and you're like how did i live with 1080p you know like yeah <laughs> or even gps that you said you know there was a margin of error built into it so you weren't getting as accurate and then that's just become more and more fine-tuned to now you're you know your apple eye tag is within a few feet of where it says it is but yeah um you know looking looking at uh nods night vision versus uh thermal you know the uh, the biggest difference with night vision is it's passive, so it's taking what it brings in and amplifies it, and it's seeing natural light. So it really only works at night. You know, I've got the cover on it here so that the, the sensitive plates up front aren't just going to be damaged sitting here turned off under lights. Um, where thermal, thermal works 24 hours a day, and that was probably one of the biggest misconceptions I kept hearing about it was everyone thought it was a nighttime device only. Um, with thermal, what it's looking for is it doesn't care about light. It's looking for temperatures and temperature variations. And what that, again, it's essentially a camera and it's what it's looking for is variations between the temperatures, which it then translates into an image that because of the way it works, kind of looks like a, a human if we're looking at it. Yeah. So it can work in the middle of the day, but obviously nighttime, the temperature variances are usually bigger. So if you get a 40 degree night and 98 degree person, it really stands out. A 98-degree person on a 95-degree day, everything kind of looks pinkish and red. That's why when I went hog hunting, uh, I was telling a friend in Tennessee, and he was like, well, how are you able to use it? He's like, Tennessee in June is so incredibly hot. How are you going to be able to see the difference? I'm like... Well, believe it or not, you know, body temperatures, even of animals, it's going to be different than the surrounding environment, you know, and, and you'll be able to see it. And, and I think 
the big misconception with, you know, thermal, we can't use it during the daytime. I think we have Hollywood and TV shows to blame for that because yeah. that's when you're seeing people using the thermal stuff in all the TV shows and things. It's always at night. You never see someone using it during the day. And, and I think that's where a lot of that misconception comes from. You know, with thermal, the advantage is um, we use it a lot as a game tracker. So mm-hmm. they're, they're not... Again, the legality varies around the country, but as far as using them as a tool to find game and hunt game, usually not really legal. Finding game that you've shot and you recovery, know, recover, recovery, yeah. absolutely, yeah, much more legality there. Um, they're great for finding blood trails. They're great for finding downed animals. We were working with an optics company that launched a thermal monocular, and we were doing a media hunt as part of it, and uh, it was a, a predator hunt. And someone shot a coyote. We knew exactly where it was. We marked it, watched it go down. We knew we ranged it. Four of us walked out there, and an hour later, we still couldn't find the damn thing. Someone pulled out the thermal, and it was about 14 steps to the left of where we were looking. Oh, my goodness. And it's just, it's that, that simple. You know, so thermal will give you a little bit of residue behind from the footsteps or somebody's touched something. <clears throat> yeah. um, you can kind of, anywhere heat can radiate, it can detect. Where with night vision, it's, it's kind of like right now, if I can't actually see it, I can't actually see it. So co- the idea of cover and concealment is, is kind of different. Um, thermal you can't use through glass you know if you're uh, driving along you can't look out the window night vision again unless you have some sort of illuminator that's giving you glare mm-hmm. um, I have never thought about that yeah. that you couldn't use thermal through glass well it makes sense now right but I would have never thought about that before we, so with this product <clears throat> launch uh, I was trying to test it out and get a feel for how well it worked so we uh, my wife and I went out into the country and we're driving around up around her father-in-law's farm and it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and it's a pretty cool night, or a pretty warm night. And uh, we're going along. She wanted to drive by an old country graveyard. So we're going by this old cemetery, and I'm going by slow, and I have the pickup window down. Well, what I see coming is a gas pipeline head. You know, you've seen them. They're natural gas pipeline. Well, of course, that's also probably about 40 degrees on this 80-degree night. And she's just fixated on this, trying to see if any, you know, tombstones are hot or cold or whatever. And all of a sudden, this big robust robotic you know structure thing <laughs> pops up in bright white on the screen she almost threw it out the window <laughs> <laughs> so i can have some fun with it too they, oh, the thing gosh. that i think is really cool about them um and I, i'm sure it, like most things it varies in quality of how well you can see this but looking at an image of a hog and the thermal signature that's coming from individual hairs and the detail that even some of yeah. those pick up is really cool to me i mean it's like you almost, I think going into that stuff, you're, okay, it's going to be a blob, it's going to be moving, that kind of thing. But the heat signature and that those things are sensitive enough to pick up, and you mm-hmm. can see such a detailed picture in some of them is really cool. Now, this is my opinion, so feel free to jump in the comments and tell me how wrong I am. But I think between the two, dear Alan, <laughs> between the two, um, if you're looking for a product that's probably a little more affordable, probably a little more useful, and certainly probably a little more um, state regulation friendly, I think thermal wins out over. Mm-hmm. Over night vision. Especially hunting. Especially hunting. Yes. Especially hunting. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, plug for the Go Wild store. You know, if guys are looking for a wide variety. Stuff, yep, yep. Exactly. At all different price points, whether you're looking to get in it for the first time or you're looking to upgrade, you know, there's. Yeah. And it's if you have sticker shock looking at some of the ones that are recommended to be the best and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but you want to get one that's lower price, just know, like, there's a difference. There's a reason the other ones are more expensive. Right. So when you take it out of the box and look at it, and it it's not the perfect one. Right. You know, you are sacrificing a little bit on that quality of that image, but yeah. still, it's great stuff. But I don't, I don't think we sell any night vision on site 
that I can think of as far as so. phosphor night yeah, vision. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm guessing you can get some on Gunbroker. You can indeed. Um, and again, the price points are all over the place. Uh, you know, t- to your point, I was one of those, you know, when I was a um, little less experienced, found a clearance monocular, and it took me 15 minutes after I opened it to figure out, oh, it doesn't even take batteries. It's got a little kind of pump thing you do that just charges the the phosphor screen. And I was completely disappointed. It's like this is, you know, my field of view is nothing. It's very mm-hmm. dim. The illuminator is a joke. Um, I, f- I felt very kind of ripped off. You know, knowing what I know now, it was you know, obvious. I mean, what did I expect yeah. for $129, you know? Um, but well, don't go into it thinking you're going to get military spec no. that you've seen online right. with what you can afford. Yeah, basically, if you've got Camry money, you're not getting a Corvette, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, at the, and at the end of the day, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those. You just have to know what you're getting and what you want it for. Yep. Yeah. And night vision has a uh, half-life, or a, it, it can go bad over time, right? It can. Again, the, the, the plate is... Um, uh, there's a very electro something, 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 something. We'll just call it the plate that detects the photons when it hits it is insanely sensitive and, and they do eventually uh, fade out. So, you know, you, you've got a shelf life on some of these things. You know, if you take care of them, they last quite a while, but, you know, they are, you know, uh, somewhat of a um, consumable product that way, which, you know, you really hate to think about when you think about the cost of some of them. And the other thing is, and kind of going with people's unrealistic expectations who think they're going to take this on the apocalypse and this is thermal as well, they chew through batteries, right? Um, the night vision itself is not bad. When I turn the illuminator on, that's when you start to see it go down pretty quickly. Um, thermal, thermal is about the same as, as what I would, you know, you'd compare to your modern xenon flashlights. So, yeah, um, so ten to twenty hours on on a something. Yeah, so on. one night in the apocalypse. If this is your apocalypse gun, you're good for the first night, and then if you don't have extra batteries or a way to recharge. Yeah, I, I have often sat up and just stared at the ceiling, trying to contemplate the supply chain of keeping all of our troops overseas in batteries, hmm. and what that's got to be like. Because I mean, you're you're thinking with their life, these guys are probably going through a set a day. I mean, this takes one double A, mm-hmm. so it's when not you're exactly. carrying the backups. To yeah, the backups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, so and I mean that's a single setup. So I mean the guys with the tubble, okay, so now you're into two batteries. If you if you're one of the the really special guys, they get the four set. Now you're into a four. They do make battery packs that mount on the back of your helmet. Um, they give you a much longer battery life, rechargeable. A um, little bit of weight there, which is another consideration that I think people don't really fully understand. This is a bump helmet, so it's plastic. It's really just designed to like I said, bump your head. I mainly use it as a mount for the monocular. And the monocular is not light. But if you add this to a proper ballistic helmet, I mean, you're now getting into a fairly sizable chunk on top of your head that projects way up and throws your center of gravity off. The next strength it requires to wear these day in, day out, like some of our troops do, it's it's staggering to think about. And if you get a monocular, you don't have to put it on a helmet. You could weapon mount it behind you can. a red dot or something. Yeah, you're probably going to want one that's that's designed for that because it'll take the recoil mm-hmm. uh, and be a little more ruggedized. Mm. Um, because I'm a poor boy, I only have a monocular instead of a binocular. Um, I mind set up my dominant eye, which is the left side, um, with the idea being I can run a red dot on low power, and by shooting with both eyes open, it's going to superimpose the dot onto my mm. night vision image. Um, or I just flip the switch on my IR laser and don't care. Um, cool. So the illuminator, give me the scenarios of when you would use the illuminator versus not. Um, well, for, for using it, if you're in a place that has no light, so you're in a basement two stories down, um, absolutely no light whatsoever, 
night vision doesn't work. So you flip your illuminator on for that. Okay. Um, if you were, say, doing a, a grab and go, you're you're in the enemy's headquarters or whatever, and you're trying to grab documents, you might turn it on to have a better look at what you're looking at. Is this a visible light? It's IR as well. Okay. Here's the the upside downside. The upside is now suddenly you can see better. The downside is that only works if you're the only person wearing night vision. Mm-hmm. Um, because if your opponent's got night vision as well, even if it's maybe a generation back Russian surplus, and you turn the illuminator on, it's like turning on a flashlight you right. know, that you can see. So it's like the locator beacons that um, you say with the you know the, the military put out. You know they're not expecting the the jihadis to have the ability to see. Well, maybe now with the eighty six billion dollars of equipment we left behind, or however much <laughs> it was. But you know, two years ago that wasn't an issue. It's but just lunch money. <laughs> yeah, just, just lunch. lunch money. And even the illuminator on the unit itself is not spectacularly stout. So hence the I've got the side mounted light that also has an IR setting to it. I can go red, white, or, or infrared with that as well to help. But um, you don't think about. I mean, th- it's an entirely different world. I know I kind of said that before, but the things that um, reflect infrared light is kind of staggering. You know, there's there's been Kind of a, in, you know, the joke in the industry about certain camo patterns light up under mm-hmm. night vision and some don't. And, um, you know, just, just weird things that pop here and there that you don't expect to see that are suddenly super, super bright. I have uh, um, Arlo security cameras around my house, and they all have little IR illuminators. So to sit in the backyard and suddenly see this giant bright stream of light come on, and you're like, hmm. What? Nothing happened. Because, of course, that's what most of us with night vision do. We just go and walk around our house in the middle of the yeah. night in Whoa. the dark because, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it is. It's it's really, like Boys I said. You, with their toys. Well, man. you got to think gotta about, play with them. yeah, at the end of the day, when, I'm, when we're talking about the price point and what you need to get into, you, you think about your use for it. If you want to take it camping and have fun, which I, I highly recommend. They're super fun things to have when camping. Um, you can get away with some of those lesser expensive ones. If you do want to use it for a you know, hunting perspective, certainly you're going to want to make more investment. If you're going to weapon mount it, you really need one built for that, and the price comes with that. Um, you know, if, if you're building up your, your shit-hits-the-fan scenario and you want one, then you're probably going with something a little, a little higher end as well. And, you know, like I said, um, uh, we've got all price points across the board available, both through Go Wild and, and Gun Broker for thermal and night vision. You and and night vision is not federally. I know it's export regulated, but it's but any civilian can buy yep. it without a ATF. Yep, it's. I mean, it's ITAR regulated for the technology, but beyond that, yeah, anybody anybody with the funds can buy it. Um, sometimes, and I'm seeing these days it's getting to that point finding a supply can be tough sometimes mm-hmm. there's not a lot of manufacturers the tubes there's about three of them out there and then every company builds their sets around that so um, as long as l3 harris is churning out product you can find them but if they're being tied up in a contract somewhere they can sometimes be a little trickier well i know a guy that's got a pretty sweet set if everybody anybody here wants some he told me the price, and I immediately gave them back. <laughs> well, what was you. the price? You, you took two <laughs> hands and very gently. Eighty-five, hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's honestly not as bad as I was thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, green. You can cut that for a, for a binocular set for green. You probably cut that in half, but you know, it's still a a pretty healthy investment. At least with this set, I got a really nice flimsy nylon pouch to put them in. <laughs> so I have zero need for that. Like it would literally just be, I have money I'm mad at. It's, so. But it's not about need. Like there's so much of the stuff in the gun world and things that we do. Like, what do you need that for? Like who said anything about need, yeah. you know? So. And I imagine they lose their value more than a gun a investment. Firearm. Yeah. You know, if a couple generations go by yeah, and all of a right. sudden, it's not worth nearly as much as you paid for it. So it's like anything technological. It gets lighter. It gets more energy efficient. It gets mm-hmm. even. The, you hear of Gen Four, which right now is a marketing term. There really isn't no fourth generation. 
it's just refinements on on the third gen so yeah but like with anything it tech, is fun very fun stuff it is fun definitely fun and you know, what else is fun sitting around the table with all of you guys and talking about this stuff uh we hope you all had fun watching and listening this episode um again if you're looking to pick some of this stuff up if you have money uh, as Jacob said, money that you're mad at, uh, you can certainly throw it at the Go Wild store. Or Maybe you sold a bunch of stuff on GunBroker and you got money in the pocket. Ah, there, there you go. Could be. So we appreciate you tuning into the episode. Um, leave us some comments, some reviews. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, and we appreciate you being here. And we will see you again next week on the next episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. Ballers podcast.